Merry Christmas, everyone. Oh, how good to be together um, this holiday weekend. And a uh, special welcome again to those of you who are guests with us. Um, it would have been fun um, without you, but it is so much better with you here. So we're so glad that you chose to come and spend some of your uh, Christmas here with us. My name is Kondo. I get to serve as one of the pastors um, here at Mission Point. And this evening, I get to spend some time just helping us to reflect um, afresh on the gift that is Jesus Christ born into our world. And here's Christmas in a nutshell. Um, by the way, if you have a copy of the, the Bible, feel free to turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to spend the majority of our time there um, But here's Christmas in a nutshell. In fact, it's a verse in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to have this up on the screens for you to be able uh, to follow along. But here's what it says in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 10. It says, but the angel said to them, and we're going to find out here in a minute who the them are, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Now, I want to just ask you a Christmas favor. If you would please say out loud, all people. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I thought we'd have to do that twice, but that was great. Good news that will cause great joy for all people. So Christmas is a story that tells us regardless of who you are, regardless of where you're from, regardless of what you've done, Great joy is available to you today. That's good news. Now, let me just clarify, by the way, that it says great joy. It doesn't say just joy because there is a difference. Um, We all experience just joy, maybe even on a a semi-frequent basis. Um, You know, just joy. That's, you know, kind of the joy you experience when your team wins. The problem with that fickle, flimsy joy is that when your team loses... You lose your joy along with it. Just joy. It's that the joy you feel when your crush has a crush back on you. The problem is cute boy then has a fickle moment and then he ends up having a crush on someone else and your joy is crushed and it's gone. Just joy is the kind of joy that you have when your portfolio seems like it's on point. But if things start to go crazy with the economy, along with the economy, your joy vanishes. But this story says, no, 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 great joy. We're talking about the all-consuming, soul-captivating joy. The joy that doesn't depend on the shifting of circumstances. It's the joy that is based on knowing that all your messes have been forgiven by God. It's a joy that comes from knowing that regardless of, of what kind of relationship you may have had with God, he now calls you his friend. It's a joy that comes from knowing that your future is secure regardless of how bleak it may have been just moments before that. And the Christmas story is an announcement that that kind of soul-consuming joy is available to all people. Now, if you're anything like me, Um, you may be tempted to start to think of all of the reasons why you may be an exception to that offer. Yeah, 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 but you don't know my story. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. You haven't seen the journey I've been on. I think this might be talking about other people. You know, the pretty perfect church people, but not about me, which is why I love the Christmas story 
because it corrects us in the event that we might be tempted to exclude ourselves. And here's how the Christmas story begins. And we have to go back to verse 1 of Luke chapter 2. And here's what it says. In those days, uh, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, which was pretty much the entire world at that time. Verse 2, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was his fiancée. She was pledged to be married to him, and she was expecting a child. Matter of fact, she was just a few days away from having a baby. All right, um, so uh, Caesar Augustus, who's named uh, in the story, he is the emperor of Rome. And at that point in time, he was the most powerful man on the planet. One of the perks of being the most powerful people on the planet is you get to tell everybody else what to do, and they have to do it. And uh, so Caesar has one of these moments where he says, oh, I'll tell you what I want to do. Um, I want to take a global roll call. I want to figure out just how many people I have conquered. And more importantly, I want to figure out how I can squeeze a little bit more money out of all of them by increasing their taxes. So it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what's been on your calendar for the last three years. Change of plans. You have to go back to the town in which you were born and register. So now I'm just saying for a moment, imagine being Joseph, and he has to go and break this news to Mary, who is just days away from delivering. Hey, honey, I have good news, and I have bad news, and I have worse news. Which would you like to hear first, the bad news? I'm kidding. There's no bad news or good news. It's just worse news. Here's the deal. We have to take a 70-mile road trip. Let me show you a map so you can get a sense of it. We have to take a 70-mile road trip from Nazareth up there to Bethlehem down here. Um, That's a bit of a rough announcement to make. I don't know how the people in your world feel when you suddenly change their plans. All I know is how my wife feels when plans are suddenly changed. And so my guess is they pack some things and they start, you know, this four-day journey um, from up there in Nazareth to down here in Bethlehem. And uh, Mary is just, you know, whispering sweet nothings to Joseph, you know, just really thanking him for being such a a thoughtful, considerate man, and and thank you so, so much for planning this surprise last minute, like, you know, pre, pre, you know, third trimester, you know, trip here. Just, you're the sweetest guy, you know, you know, my bladder is on fire, you know, whatever, you know, the girls are going to be so jealous of this little getaway. My guess is she's breaking off a little piece of her mind, generously handing it to him, assuming they are still on speaking terms. This would not have been, by any stretch of the imagination, a fun trip. And so the story starts with some unwelcome plans. Circumstances beyond their power, beyond their control, make sure 
they end up where they do not want to be. I'm guessing Mary's saying, Joseph, I do not want to be here in Bethlehem. I want to be there in Nazareth. And yet circumstances and powers we cannot control bring about this unwelcome change of plans. Um, And you've been there. A matter of fact, some of you are there right now. I mean, you never wanted to be in Bethlehem. You wanted to be in Nazareth. You didn't want to be here. You wanted to be there. And yet here you are, unwelcomed plans. You didn't want to still be paying off those dumb student loans from college, you know, for a major that you don't even use now in your career. And yet here you are. You never expected, and you definitely never wanted to be living in the 574 area code, the 46580 zip code. This wasn't your dream destination, and yet circumstances beyond your control prevailed. And here you are, unwelcome plans. You didn't want to be here. This is not the kind of relationship you envisioned being in. You wanted to be there relationally, not here, and yet here you are, an unwelcome change of plans. Oh, you're back at your parents' house. Whee! You know, that's awesome. You didn't plan on that. And yet here you are. This is not the job you wanted to have to go back and tell your high school friends that you have, which is why you've skipped the last three homecomings. You don't have to deal with that drama, and yet your Caesar bossy boss at work has you in this place. You didn't want to be here, but yet here you are. Matter of fact, some of you didn't want to be here this evening. Oh, man, I mean, you thought you were just coming from out of town to visit some family, open some gifts, OD on some eggnog, and some bossy family member bullied you into coming to church. And so here you are with your arms folded, you know, the pouty face. I'm not listening to what that guy in his sweater has, has to say, but here you are, sucker. You can't leave now. Um, unwelcome plans. Not where you wanted to be, and yet here you are. I want to read a verse of Scripture that I think you're going to really, really like. It's in Micah chapter 5, Old Testament, verse 2. Now look at what it says. It says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Woo! That's good. Do you know what this verse is? This verse is God sharing his plans 600 years before the fact, letting the world know where he wanted his son, the Savior, to be born. And of all the fancy places on the face of the planet, God said, I don't want him to be born there. I want him to be born here in Bethlehem. Now, does anyone see a problem? 
Jesus' mom, Mary, who's carrying him in her womb, is in Nazareth, and she likes it in Nazareth. It's comfortable and familiar in Nazareth. And I don't know if you know this, but you cannot convince a woman who's about to give birth to all of a sudden take a 70-mile road trip just for kicks. And so God says, I've got to get them from there to here. And so while Caesar thinks he's flexing his muscle as the most powerful man on the planet, God is the powerful one, moving him like a pawn to call a census so he can get Mary and Joseph from there to here so that Jesus might come into the world just where God determined it. Some of you would never have chosen to be here. So God said, I'm going to move a few pieces so that I can get them from there to here so that I can introduce Jesus into their world. It is not an accident that you happen to be in this situation of life or that you happen to be sitting in this room or that you happen to be living in the 574 or wherever it is that you happen to live. God made a plan long before you showed up that I'm going to introduce my son into their world and I want to get them from there to here. You are right where he wants you. For his son to enter in and offer joy and offer peace and offer hope if you happen to need it. Someone might just end up later on today thanking God for the unwelcome plans. But the story continues. Verse 6 says, while they were there, this is back in Luke chapter 2, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to a firstborn, a son, And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. I don't even know why I'm telling you this. Your kids already told you this story. But um, because there was no guest room over here, no. Over here, no. Not over there either. There was no guest room available for them. And so the story shifts from an unwanted plan to an unsightly place. This is such an emotionally charged story. I know that for those of us who've been around the Christmas story for years, we get to lose a sense of how intense this was being lived out in real time. A teenage girl who is terrified, and she's been dragged away from family. She's been dragged away from familiarity, and now she's in a town she doesn't want to be in to give birth to a child she did not ask for. And just when it seems like the story is starting to take a turn for the sweet, it drops us back down into the wait. What? It says Mary had a sweet little baby boy. No surprise, of course. I mean, pre-ultrasound, God called it, so she knew what she was going to have. But she tenderly wrapped his fragile frame in cloths. And then she she gently laid him in um, an animal feeding trough. Like that's where the story goes next. 
That's kind of gross, to be honest. Like, I mean, just like a little bit ago, there was all manner of mushy goo in this thing, and now the son of the living God is laying in the crusty remains. Creator and Savior of the world was born in an animal barn. In fact, some think he was actually born in a cave. But whatever the case, you can go ahead and tuck away that hallmark and precious moments picture of the birth of Jesus Christ. It wasn't pretty. When Jesus was born, it was smelly and messy and loud and crazy and chaotic and Mary was scared, and she wanted her mom, who was likely not there, and Joseph was feeling guilt because he felt responsible for being the one who brought her to this less-than-ideal place. And now of all the places in the world, Joseph's son is in a feeding trough in a smelly barn, Because no one would make room for him in their hotels or motels or holiday inns or whatever. Um, Because looking at Mary and Joseph, just unsophisticated teenager, you know, who probably couldn't pay the inflated rate um, at the hotels because everybody was back in town. And when Jesus makes his entrance into the world... It's not in the royal palace he deserves. It's in a messy and chaotic barn. How amazing is that? I love the Christmas story. Um, And I told you that the Christmas story was good news for everyone in case you attempted to exempt yourself. This is awesome. Um, Now, quick quiz. But how many of you know uh, that if God is able to create the entire universe and fling the stars into their place by simply speaking the word, if God is capable of moving the heart and hand of Caesar to, to make him call a census, if God can figure out how a virgin gets pregnant, How many of you know God is more than capable of making hotel reservations? God did not forget to make reservations. Matter of fact, if he wanted to, he could have just said the word and the Bethlehem Ritz-Carlton would have been created in a moment so Jesus would have had a place fitting for him in which to be born. Which can only mean Jesus was born in a smelly, crazy, chaotic, yucky barn because that's exactly where God made reservations for him. That's exactly where God wanted him to be born, in that unsightly place. That's good news. Because here's what it tells you. Jesus is not intimidated by your mess and your chaos 
and your drama and your dysfunction and the smelly stuff that you have done. He's not intimidated or repulsed by your drug addiction or your divorce. This tells us God is not intimidated or repulsed, no matter how unsightly you might feel to everybody else. Matter of fact, he has made some reservations to show up in your world today right where you are. Jesus is more than happy to make himself at home in your messy world if you would simply open the door and invite him Because if you're anything like me, and I don't know what rumors you've heard, I don't know what stories you've heard, but if you're anything like me, then you feel like that person that the good news of great joy can't apply to because you don't know what I've done. You don't know the messes that I've made. Whatever rumors you've heard about Jesus, he is more than happy to enter into the chaos, to enter into your mess. And for many of us, because we don't believe that, we've actually stood at a distance from great joy. And you know what we're doing? We are building our lives and fixing and we're buffing and we're trying to clean ourselves up to see if we can't get ourselves in that five-star Ritz Carlton condition that Jesus might be worthy of. And this reminds us, oh, no, 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 no. I didn't come to you because you were worthy. I came to you because you were messy. I'm the one who cleans and changes and fixes you up. Are you willing to open the door? It's not intimidated by unsightly places. And if there's any doubt about that, uh, look at how this story ends. We'll spend uh, just a moment looking at this. Because listen, if your life feels like an unsightly stable or an unsightly cave, I just want to say congratulations. You are just what Jesus is looking for. But look what happens. The scene shifts from the barn uh, to the fields near by. Luke chapter 2 verse 8. Um, This is what it says. And there were shepherds uh, living out in the fields nearby. And they were keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And again, one of those dawn moments in Scripture. They were terrified. Makes sense to me. Verse 10. But the angel said to them, and this is the verse we started with. That them being the shepherds. This is crazy. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And verse 11, here's the good news. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The story starts with some unwelcome plans. And then the story takes us to an unsightly place. And where we want to end is by meeting some unlikely people. So imagine these guys. I mean, they're working one night just minding uh, their own business, taking care of some sheep one night. Next thing they know, they are rudely interrupted by the light of a thousand suns. Now, listen, I don't know how bright, how many lumens the glory of God is, but here's what I do know. Uh, In this particular first century Near Eastern context, these guys would not have had flashlights. 
they would not be used to seeing like people's brights coming in their direction. They had lanterns. And all of a sudden, the glory of God engulfs them. And then, you know, a heavenly creature is standing there having a conversation with them. And I love how Luke says, let me just state the obvious, they were scared. Yeah, I'm sure uh, they were scared. Makes sense, at least to me. And yet, somebody reading this story in the first century near Eastern world would not have been shocked by the glory of God, as shocking as that would have been to read. They would not have been shocked, you know, by an angelic being standing near the shepherds. Reading this in the first century, people would have been stuck on, wait, did you say shepherds? (laughs) Come on, come on, time out, time out. You said shepherds? Um, no, I, you just ruined the story because I, I was okay with the, you know, the funky plans and I was okay with, with a funky barn, but shepherds, mm, that's a bit of a stretch to me. If God was going to come down and make an announcement of this significance, he would never start with shepherds. That makes for a terrible story. In all of God's green earth, there was no group of people less sophisticated than shepherds. Shepherding was most people's like throw in the towel career move. Uh, Shepherding um, was the way you announced to everybody around you like, hey, just want you guys all to know, I quit on life. It's what you did when plans A through Z fell through and you had to invent a new letter just so you could do something. It's what you did because no one thought you were good enough to do anything else. It's the thing parents would use to terrify their kids out of their bad behavior. If you keep misbehaving, you are going to end up in prison or worse, a shepherd. It was the ultimate expression that everything you hoped and dreamed had not panned out. Shepherds were who the failures and the losers and the rejects made fun of. You're telling me, with all the fancy people on the face of the planet, that God could have made the announcement of great joy to, he started with, shepherds? Unlikely. And yet I told you, it was a story of hope and joy for all. The Christmas story is a reminder that Jesus doesn't care what hasn't worked out in your life. Jesus doesn't care who said you won't amount to anything. He doesn't care how often you've heard the voices saying you are just not good enough. You are a failure. He doesn't care how many things in your life have crashed and burned. or What the kids at school say and who won't invite you or what cute boy won't return your affections. He doesn't care what label, what value the culture puts on you. He shows up and says, I actually came for you. I actually want to offer joy and hope and forgiveness to you. I came to offer you a new plan, A. And so listen, I don't know where you are and what your story is and and what you're coming out of or what you're in right now. I don't know what unwelcome plans you're living in. 
um, what unsightly places your life um, seems to be made up of. I don't know what way you feel like the most unlikely person for heaven to visit and offer joy to. All I know is Jesus came for people like you. Now, if you have all your stuff together, like, I mean, if you're pretty and perfect in the Christmas story, I mean, it's just going to be a little precious moments addition to your life. But if you know you've made a mess, if you know you've sinned, if you know that you have broken things around you, and if you know that there are broken things within you, if you know you're in need of hope, if you know you're in need of joy, then the story of Christmas says joy is available to you today. The only question is, will you welcome Jesus? Will you believe that he came for you and that he is willing to forgive and restore and bring about friendship if you simply come to him and ask for it? Don't have to clean yourself up. He came to you in your mess. You don't have to wait till you get there. He came to where you are in the here and now. You don't have to wait till you're, you're more, you know, you know, presentable. No, he came after us in our most unsightly of moments. The only question is, will you believe that and then receive what he offers to you? Because his offer does require a response. And you're going to walk out of here this evening and you're either going to say yes to hope and yes to joy and yes to forgiveness or you're going to say no. It's a fascinating piece of the story that we often skip over. But it says Jesus was born in a barn because there was no room for him in the hotels, in the bed and breakfasts. And by the way, can you imagine people like, no, we realize you're a pregnant teenager who's terrified and we could make room for you, but we're not going to because that's going to be messy and that's going to be chaotic. Can you imagine being one of those hotels <laughs> and, and, and missing the opportunity to say, um, so crazy thing, right? Uh, God was born at our hotel the other day um, b- because you're too fancy too self-conscious, or you're too full. And yet so many of us, even this evening, are going to say, man, it'll be amazing for Jesus to come and forgive and for Jesus to instill hope, but I'm too fancy to reach out to him, and I'm too full. I've got enough stuff to make room for him. And on the other hand, the shepherds dropped everything and went to that barn in Bethlehem. And it says they walked out from an encounter with Jesus, glorifying God because they had found the joy the angel promised. You are going to respond one way or the other. Either you're going to let him pass by in this here and now moment. And I want to tell you, he has moved pieces to bring you to this here moment right now, just as you are, so that he can offer hope and joy to you if you would simply receive it. I'm going to have the the team come back out here. Um, and they're going to lead us in a song. And even as they do, I'm going to ask our prayer team uh, to come forward, and they're going to kind of tuck away in the corners so you can see who they are. But I don't know what you need from Jesus. I know that he offers it to you. And for some of us, we are aware of the fact that we have sinned and we have messed up, and we've been denying it, or we've been hiding it, or we've been trying to clean ourselves up. And Jesus says, no, I came to forgive you freely if you'd simply believe and ask 
Some of us just look at our lives and realize how broken they are and that the future seems so bleak. He came to offer hope. If you would simply reach out to him and say, I don't know what my future holds, but I would love to be held by you and to have your plans become mine. Maybe some of you feel like you've abused so much of his grace and so much of his forgiveness that you can't ask for it one more time. And Jesus says, no, I came for people like you. And um, so during this song, I I just want to invite you to to process what do you need to say yes to? And in what way do you need to respond to Jesus who came a long way from there to here so that he could introduce joy and hope to you? So we'll let them lead us in a song. And as that song wraps We're going to invite you, if you want to pray with somebody, that you'd come and do that with our team up front. So we'll have them lead us in a song. Please remain seated, and let's just enjoy as this song ministers.